for the Stock Car Racing Time Machine podcast. I'm your host, Tim Naiman. Today, you're listening to episode 38, the 1997 running of the AC Delco 400 from the North Carolina Motor Speedway, also known as Rockingham. This was the 30th race of the 32-race 1997 NASCAR Winston Cup season. And with just three races remaining in the championship chase, all eyes were on the point standings. Jeff Gordon came into the Rockingham race with a 110-point lead on second place Mark Martin and a 155-point lead on Dale Jarrett. Gordon was hoping to have a good day at Rockingham and continue his steady momentum toward the championship. He generally had been running pretty well since that wreck back at Bristol in August, with his only poor finish at Talladega when he was caught up in the big wreck, but he was fortunate that Mark Martin and Dale Jarrett were involved too as well. There had been some fluctuation up and down in the points, but generally he was maintaining about an over 100-point lead over Mark Martin since the Loudon race that he had won, which was a Jeff Gordon's final victory. Dale Jarrett had been showing some good momentum of late, and of course he had picked up a victory at Charlotte, and had gained some points on Jeff Gordon at Talladega, even though he was caught up in the big wreck too as well. For Gordon, the 24 team was just having hoping to have some non-stressful races. In 1996, it looked like the championship was going to be Gordon's, only for him to have a mechanical problem at Charlotte and not run well at Rockingham. Gordon had won the spring race at Rockingham, but Dale Jarrett had really been the dominant driver. Jarrett had led many of the laps at Rockingham, and in fact, he had finished third, I'm sorry, he had finished second in three consecutive races at Rockingham. So Jarrett was hoping to improve on that by one position and hoping that maybe Gordon would struggle too as well. Mark Martin generally was successful at Rockingham, but he had not gone to victory lane at Rockingham since he picked up his first NASCAR Winston Cup victory for Jack Roush in the 1989 season. Other drivers that you had to look at at Rockingham that might be a little bit dark horses or slightly under the radar drivers. One would be Ricky Craven. He had actually had a top five finish in the spring race for the Budweiser team. And of course, Craven's season had been marked by crashes and injuries and struggles. But Rocky was always a good track for him. In fact, his career best NASCAR Winston Cup finish was a third-place finish at Rockingham back in the 1996 spring race, and that was driving for an underdog team like Larry Hedrick. So Craven certainly was hoping that he could pick up a victory in that number 25 team before the season ended. You also had to consider Bobby Hamilton, too, as well. He typically ran pretty well at Rockingham, and it looked like he might be on his way to victory in the 1996 spring race until he got a nudge from Dale Earnhardt. Cal Petty had always been very, very successful in the early 90s at Rockingham. And a lot of people felt with the recent NASCAR rules changes that Pontiac had a big advantage on these downforce type tracks and that they might be in for a strong run too as well. So we'll take a look next at qualifying for the AC Delco 400. Qualifying for the AC Delco 400 took place on Friday, and Bobby Labonte picked up his third pole of the 1997 season with a lap of an average speed of 156.696 miles an hour. Dale Jarrett, who was sitting third in points, had the second fastest lap. Mark Martin, who was second in points, qualified third. Ward Burden qualified fourth. His only career victory at this time was the 1995 fall race at Rockingham when he took Bill Davis to victory lane. Cal Petty, always a strong driver at Rockingham, especially in the early 90s, qualified fifth. 
Jeff Gordon, who had picked up the victory in the spring race in Rockingham and was the points leader, qualified sixth. Good qualifying effort for Jeff Bodine in seventh. He had had a good run in the spring race in Rockingham. Bailey was the eighth fastest qualifier. Ricky Craven qualified ninth, and he had scored a top five in the spring race at Rockingham and also had a third-place finish at Rockingham in 1996 for Larry Hendrick, which was his career-best finish. Mike Skinner, the rookie, qualified 10th. Jeff Byrne was 11th fastest. Good qualifying effort for Dick Trickle in 12th. Ricky Rudd qualified 13th. Derek Cope had the 14th fastest lap, and rookie David Green qualified in the 15th position. Other notable qualifiers included Rusty Wallace in 18th, Jeremy Mayfield trying to lock down a top 10 position in points qualified 24th, Dale Earnhardt had the 26th fastest lap, Bobby Hamilton was 28th fastest. The top 30 drivers were able to pit on the front stretch at Rockingham, and drivers who had qualified 30th or poor would qualify I'm sorry, would pit on the back stretch. This will include Steve Park in 32nd, Terry Labonte in 33rd, Ted Musgrave in 34th, Ken Schrader chasing a top 10 points position in 38th, Ernie Irvin also chasing a top 10 points position qualified 39th, and Daryl Waltrip took a past champion's provisional and start 43rd. The drivers who missed the race included Brett Bodine, who missed his first race in the 1997 season, Dave Marcus missed his 12th race in 1997 season, and it had really been a struggle for Dave in the second half of the season. He had now missed nine of the past 12 races. Kenny Irwin was unable to qualify in the number 27 car, and Ed Barrier was unable to put the Sadler Brothers number 95 car in the field. The 1997 AC Delco 400 from the North Carolina Motor Speedway, a.k.a. The Rock, was run on October 27, 1997, which was a Monday because the race had to be postponed on a Sunday due to inclement weather. Unfortunately, there was rain in the area when the race got the green flag, and Bobby Labonte and Dale Jarrett led the field to start the race. Jarrett was able to hang on the outside of Bobby Labonte in turn one and pull even with Bobby Labonte off of turn two. The two cars were braced hard down the backstretch, but Dale Jarrett had better momentum off of the high side of turn two, and he was able to lead Bobby Labonte into turn three and eventually clear him in turn four. The caution quickly came out due to rain, and Dale Jarrett was able to beat Bobby Labonte back to the start-finish line by half a car length and gain those valuable five bonus points for leading a lap. It was reported in the TNN broadcast that under the caution that Jeff Gordon had hit the backstretch wall pretty significantly on the first lap of the race. And the replay showed this. He had hit pretty hard with the right rear. There was no significant damage on the race car. And when they talked to Ray Evernham, he said that Gordon wasn't reporting significant current concerns, but they really wouldn't know till the race went back under the green flag. With no tire rub and no serious damage, they decided to leave Gordon out. The race would restart on lap 14 after 11 laps of caution as the mist slowed down. Dale Jarrett was the leader when the green flag came out. Bobby Labonte was in second. Mark Martin was third. Cal Petty was fourth. Ward Burton was fifth. And Jeff Gordon was running eighth. Two laps after the restart, Bobby Labonte was able to swing to the inside of Dale Jarrett, getting into turn one, and he would officially lead the 16th lap of the race. Jeff Bodine got a tap from Ricky Craven in turn two and faded out of the top 10. Jeff Gordon, after restarting eighth, had dropped back to the 10th position. Meanwhile, Jeff Burton was charging up through the field. He had entered into the top five just 23 laps into the race. With 30 laps complete in the race, Bobby Labonte was the leader. Second in points, Mark Martin was running second. Cal Petty was third. Jeff Burton was in fourth. Dale Jarrett was fifth. 
Ward Burton was sixth. Bill Elliott was running seventh. Ricky Craven was eighth. Dick Trickle was running ninth. And Jeff Gordon had settled into the tenth position. The pass was not shown on TV, but Cal Petty was able to get around Mark Martin and move into the second position. Ernie Irvin had had a strong start to the race. He was already up to the 25th position, 40 laps into the race, after restarting in the 39th position. Rusty Wallace was struggling significantly with the handling of his race car. After starting in the 18th position, he had faded all the way back to the 39th position. The TNN pit reporters reported that Rusty was reporting that his car was loose in all four corners. 45 laps into the race, Ricky Craven was able to get around Ward Burton, whose only ever career NASCAR wins the Cup win, came at the North Carolina Motor Speedway in the fall race in 1995, and Craven gained the seventh position. A few laps later, Jeff Gordon was able to get around Ward Burton and move into eighth. Dale Jarrett was able to grab second back from Cal Petty, and he was trailing Bobby Labonte by about a second and a half. Jeff Gordon had worked his way up to the sixth position 60 laps into the race. And Bobby Lee Hamilton, who had started way back in 28th position, had worked his way up to 10th. Bobby Labonte began to start lap cars, and Mark Martin was starting to fade. He had already dropped back to the 8th position after running in the top 3 for the early part of the race. 67 laps into the race, Martin was now out of the top 10, running 11, and he was reporting to his crew that his car was very tight. Some drivers began to short pit, and it was obvious that this was a good strategy if you wanted to gain time on the leaders. Many of these drivers were running nearly two seconds a lap faster than the current leaders of the race. Bobby Labonte decided to pit on lap 75, and he had a poor pit stop that took over 23 seconds. This gave Dale Jarrett the lead on lap 75. Dale Jarrett came into the pits on lap 80 and had a solid 18.6 pit stop. Jeff Gordon pitted one lap later, and his pit stop was 19.5 seconds. They did not make a chassis adjustment, but it was reported that they did make an air pressure adjustment. Jeff Bodine led laps 81 through 83, and Cal Petty led laps 84 through 85. Bobby Hamilton, who had short-pitted, got the lead on laps 86 through 88 while the race was on commercial, but then Bobby Labonte was able to regain the lead on lap 89. Pontiac was having an excellent run with their cars running in the first, second, and third positions. The top five in the field after green flag pit stops were completed was Bobby Labonte in the lead, his fellow Pontiac drivers Cal Petty and Bobby Hamilton running second and third, Dale Jarrett in fourth, and a great run for Dick Trickle in the fifth position. Jeff Gordon was now running 14th, but this was largely due to that he had stayed out much longer on older tires and should have somewhat of a tire advantage over some of the drivers that short pitted. And sure enough, Gordon started to move forward in the field, passing Ricky Rudd and getting in the 11th position. Ricky Craven was able to crack the top five when he passed Dick Trickle and dropped Trickle back to sixth. When they came back from Grinershaw, Dale Jarrett got back around Cal Petty and moved into second position. With 110 laps complete in the race, Bobby Labonte was the leader, Dale Jarrett was second, Cal Petty was third, Ricky Craven was fourth, Dick Trickle was running fifth, Bobby Hamilton was sixth, Bill Elliott was seventh, Great day for Rick Maston, eighth. Jeff Gordon was ninth, and his closer pursuer in the points was Mark Martin was running 10th. The second cost of the race came out on lap 114 when there was a wreck involving Ricky Rudd and Jimmy Spencer on the backstretch. What had happened was is that Jimmy Spencer had spun off of turn two, and then he hit, came onto the backstretch, spun around, and hit the backstretch wall that separates pit road from the racetrack. Unfortunately, there was absolutely nowhere for Ricky Rudd to go, and he got significant damage when he ran into the rear of Jimmy Spencer's car. Both drivers 
would be unable to finish the race with Spencer finishing in the 43rd position and Ricky Rudd finishing 40th. It was disappointing for both drivers because they were having decent days running 11th and 12th when the caution came out. Rudd ended up with heavy damage to the front end of the race car. This caution broke a 100-lap green flag run and there were yellow flag pit stops. When the race restarted on lap 123, Bobby Labonte led, Ricky Craven was second, Dale Jarrett was third, Jeff Gordon was fourth, Dick Trickle was fifth, Cal Petty was running sixth, and Mark Martin was in the seventh position. Rusty Wallace was attempting to get a lap back, and he got a good jump and was able to put himself on the tail end of the lead lap. Ricky Craven was able to grab the lead from Bobby Labonte in the first lap after the restart. Dick Trickle was able to get around Jeff Gordon and move into the fourth position. Then Trickle passed Dale Jarrett to move up to third. They reported on the broadcast that it was Dick Trickle's 250th career NASCAR wins the cup start, and it was also his 56th birthday. A few laps later, Trickle continued to move his way up through the field and actually got in the second position with a pass in turn three. On the next lap, Dale Jarrett was able to grab a position for Bobby Labonte, and Jeff Gordon passed him as well. With 150 laps complete in the race, Ricky Craven was the leader, Dick Trickle was second, Dale Jarrett was third, Jeff Gordon was fourth, Rick Mass was running fifth, great run for him, Jeff Burton was sixth, Bill Elliott seventh, Cal Petty eighth, Bobby Hamilton ninth, and Bobby Labonte in the tenth position. When they came back from commercial, TNN reported that Rick Mass had moved up to the third position. And now Trickle and Rick Mass were having a spirited battle for the second position. One lap later, Jeff Burton was able to pass Dale Jarrett and move into fourth. If we look at the other championship contenders, Jeff Gordon was running seventh and Mark Martin was struggling with the handling of his car and dropped back to the 14th position. We were just discussing how great a run Rick Mast was having when unfortunately disaster struck. His car went up the racetrack and the TNN crew wondered if maybe he was having a tire problem or if he got his car up in the marbles and simply needed the tire clean his tires off. Unfortunately, his problems were terminal. Rick Mass had a camshaft problem. He would complete 178 laps in the race and be credited with a 42nd place finish. Jeff Gordon was able to get around Dick Trickle and move into the fourth position. Bobby Labonte was struggling significantly. He had dropped back to 22nd position when he decided to pin on lap 184. Jeff Gordon and Dick Trickle pinned on lap 190, and Dale Jarrett passed Ricky Craven for the lead on lap 193. Just after being passed, Ricky Craven decided to drop off of the banking from the second position in pits. Unfortunately, the Bud crew had a lug nut issue, and it took Craven nearly 24 seconds to complete his four-tire pit stop. Dale Jarrett pitted, and this gave Jeff Bodine the opportunity to lead under the green flag. Then Bobby Hamilton regained the lead on lap 196. Again, Hamilton was short pitting, which was giving him the opportunity to have about 5 to 10 laps of fresher rubber than the leaders, and oftentimes he would be able to pick up something like 2 seconds a lap. Jeff Burton was able to pass Jeff Gordon and move into second position. Terry Labonte, who was pitting on the back pits, was all the way up to the fifth position. Dale Jarrett passed Jeff Gordon and dropped Jeff back to the third position. Jeff Burton was able to grab the lead on lap 214 while the race was on commercial. Dale Jarrett was able to pass Bobby Hamilton in turn three and move into second position. Dale Jarrett grabbed the lead from Jeff Burton on lap 235 after Jeff Burton had led 21 consecutive laps. Dale Jarrett lapped pole sitter Bobby Labonte, who had been struggling in the second third of the race and was running in the 19th position. 
Jeff Gordon was able to get around Jeff Burton and move into the second position. And he was beginning to close in on Dale Jarrett when the third caution of the race came out due to Gary Bradbury wrecking in turn three. The caution came out on lap 250 after we had had 127 laps of green flag racing. Yellow flag pit stops took place, and Jeff Gordon was able to beat Dale Jarrett out of the pits for the lead. Jeff Burton was caught for being too fast exiting the pits, and his penalty would be that he would have to start at the end of the longest line. Dale Jarrett was running second to Jeff Gordon after the pit stops, Ricky Craven was third, Bobby Hamilton was fourth, and Dale Earnhardt was in the fifth position. Jeff Gordon would be restarting behind Jeff Green, who was on the tail end of the lead lap, when the green flag would come out on lap 272. A few laps after the restart, Ricky Craven was able to pass Dale Jarrett and move into the second position. Then, Bobby Hamilton got around Dale Jarrett, moving up to third and relegating Dale back to the fourth position. Jeff Burton crashed hard in turn two, and he had significant damage to the rear end of the race car after he'd backed into the wall. Yellow flag pit stops happened again, and unfortunately, Jeff Gordon had issues in the pits, and Ricky Craven was able to regain the lead. As the race restarted, Bobby Labonte was able to actually get out in front of the leader and attempt to try to get his lap back. Jeff Burton had too much damage to continue on the race, and he would end up finishing in the 38th position. With 100 laps to go in the race, Ricky Craven was the leader, Bobby Hamilton was second, Mark Martin was third, Dale Jarrett was fourth, Dale Earnhardt was fifth, Dick Trickle was sixth, Terry Labonte was seventh, Michael Waltrip was eighth, and Jeff Gordon had worked his way back up to the ninth position. With 94 laps left in the race, Jeff Gordon passed Joe Nemechek and moved up the eighth. Dick Trickle was able to grab the fifth position from Dale Earnhardt with a pass on the high side of turn three. With 85 laps to go in the race, Ricky Craven, looking for his first career NASCAR Winston Cup win, was leading Bobby Hamilton, whose only career NASCAR Winston Cup win was nearly a full calendar year ago when he won at Phoenix in 1996 by 1.2 seconds. Jeff Gordon was able to grab the seventh position from Dale Earnhardt with about 70 laps left in the race. With 65 laps to go in the race, Craven was the leader, Dale Jarrett was second, Bobby Hamilton was third, Mark Martin was fourth, Dick Trickle was fifth, Terry Labonte was running sixth, Dale Earnhardt was seventh, Jeff Gordon was eighth, and Sterling Marlin was running ninth. With 62 laps to go in the race, Dale Earnhardt repassed Jeff Gordon and moved up to seventh. Bobby Hamilton pitted with 62 laps to go from the third position. Jeff Gordon and Dale Jarrett decided to pit one lap later, and Dick Trickwell had a solid pit stop on the next lap. Ricky Craven pitted with 55 laps to go. He had decided to stay at about five to seven laps later than the leaders. The Bud crew this time had a solid 18.2 second pit stop. Dale Jarrett became the leader on lap 340, and there were 13 cars in the lead lap after green flag pit stops were concluded. Dale Jarrett was the leader, Ricky Craven was second, Bobby Hamilton was third, Mark Martin was fourth, and points leader Jeff Gordon was running fifth. TNN flashed up a graphic showing that Dale Jarrett had three straight second-place finishes at Rockingham, and he had led 46% of the laps in those three races. Dale Jarrett was able to lap Robert Presley, Bill Elliott, and Michael Waltrip. And with 31 laps to go in the race, Jeff Gordon passed second in points Mark Martin for the fourth position. Let's reset the running order. It was Dale Jarrett leading, Ricky Craven in second, Bobby Hamilton third, Jeff Gordon fourth, Mark Martin fifth, Terry Labonte sixth, Dick Trickle seventh, Dale Earnhardt eighth, Sterling Marlin ninth, and Joe Nemechek in the tenth position. Those were the 10 cars that were on the lead lap with 30 laps left in the race. 
Sterling Marlin, Dale Earnhardt, and Wally Dahlenbeck, who was a lap down, got into a hairy situation when they were three wide going into turn one, but they were able to all survive. The fifth caution of the race came on a lap 367 when Greg Sachs, driving the number 40 car for Felix Sabatis, stalled in turn four. This broke up a 90-lap green flag run. Yellow flag pit stops took place, and the cars came out of the pits as followed. Dale Jarrett was the leader. Ricky Craven was second. Bobby Hamilton was third. Jeff Gordon was fourth. Mark Martin, fifth. Dick Trickle, sixth. And Dale Earnhardt in the seventh position. The race would restart on lap 372 with 21 laps to go. Both Dale Jarrett and Ricky Craven were easily able to clear lap traffic in turn one. A couple laps after the restart, Dick Trickle got around Mark Martin for the fifth position. With 18 laps to go, Ricky Craven got to the inside of Dale Jarrett off of turn two. He was able to complete the pass in turn three, and quickly Bobby Hamilton challenged for the second position. Ricky Craven officially regained the lead of the race on lap 376. Hamilton was able to get to the inside of Dale Jarrett at start-finish line, dive to the inside in turn one, and complete the pass in the middle of the corner of turn two. Hamilton began to quickly close down on Ricky Craven and was less than a car length off of turn four. Craven slipped up the hill in turn two on the next lap, and Bobby Hamilton dove to the bottom of the racetrack. He was able to get the lead down the backstretch and officially led lap 378. With 12 laps to go in the race, Dick Trickle and Mark Martin were having an epic side-by-side battle for fifth and sixth, with Trickle on the high side and Martin trying to complete that pass on the low slide. It made the racing all the more interesting because we get to keep listening in to Dick Trickle's spotter who kept strongly encouraging him that there was no way Mark Martin could pass him if Trickle just kept holding his line. With 10 laps to go in the race, Bobby Hamilton had a three-quarters of a second lead over Ricky Craven. With four laps to go, Hamilton has extended his lead to 1.2 seconds, and the TNN broadcast continued to focus on this excellent battle between Dick Trickle and Mark Martin as they continued to race side by side. Coming to the white flag, Dale Jarrett was able to get to the inside of Ricky Craven off of turn four, and Dale Jarrett was able to get the Craven's left rear quarter panel off of turn two. Hamilton had a comfortable lead, and Dale Jarrett was able to complete the pass of Ricky Craven off of turn four to pick up the second position. But it was Bobby Hamilton coming home taking the checkered flag and picking up his second career NASCAR Winston Cup win, and Dick Trickle ran in the top five. Race statistics. The time of the race took exactly three hours and 17 minutes. The average speed of the race was 121.73 miles an hour. The race was slowed by five cautions for 40 laps, and Bobby Hamilton's margin of victory over Dale Jarrett was just under one second. There were 20 lead changes among nine drivers. It was Bobby Hamilton's second career win, and he had now taken the famous number 43 Petty Enterprises Pontiac to victory lane in back-to-back seasons. It was also the first victory for Pontiac in the 1997 season. Bobby Hamilton had led 37 laps, including the final 16 laps on route to victory. Dale Jarrett was once again the bridesmaid at Rockingham, coming home with a second-place finish and leading 73 laps. Jarrett, had now had four straight second-place finishes at the North Carolina Motor Speedway. Ricky Craven came home third, tying a career-best finish. He was third at the 1997 Daytona 500 and also third at 
Rockingham and Darlington in the spring of 1996, driving for the number 41 Larry Hedrick team. Craven had led the most laps at Rockingham, 139, and he had had top five finishes in both Rockingham races in the 1997 season. Points leader Jeff Gordon came home fourth, leading 23 laps, and it was his 22nd top five of the 1997 season in 30 races. Dick Trickle picked his second top five up for the 1997 season with a fifth-place finish. His best run was third in the Bristol Knight race. Second in points, Mark Martin finished sixth and did not lead any laps. Terry Labonte had one of his better runs in the second half of the season. If you take out the restrictor plate races, he had led one lap and finished seventh after starting in the 33rd position. Darner came home eighth. Sterling Marlin was ninth, giving him his first top 10 finish since the Bristol night race. He had had a seven race top 10 drought and he had come all the way from the 35th position to finish ninth. Joe Nemechek was 10th, the last car in the lead lap. Bobby Labonte, the pole setter led 93 laps, but have to settle for 11th place finish one lap down. Bill Elliott came home in the 12th position. Robert Presley finished 13th, giving him the best finish of the 1997 season and it was also the best finish for the number 77 Jasper Engines for Thunderbird. Robert Presley's previous best finish in 1997 was a 14th place finish at the Bristol Spring Race when he was still driving the number 29 Cartoon Network Chevrolet. Michael Waltrip came home 14th and Jeremy Mayfield finished in the 15th position. Rusty Wallace bounced back somewhat from his early struggles and was credited with an 18th place finish. Jeff Green was the highest finishing rookie. He grabbed the 21st place finish. Ernie Irvin finished 28th. Daryl Waltrip finished 29th. Ken Trader was 30th. Jeff Burton was 38th. And Ricky Rudd rounded out the top 40, finishing in the 40th position. Only two races remained in the NASCAR Winston Cup season, Phoenix and the season finale at Atlanta. That meant all eyes were on the point standings, and it had been a pretty good points day for Jeff Gordon. He had gained 15 points on Mark Martin, who was running second in points, and lost 10 points to Dale Jarrett. Gordon's points lead was 125 points over Martin and 145 points over Dale Jarrett. Interestingly enough, if you look at Jeff Gordon's points lead after the Richmond race, that's when Mark Martin had a power steering issue. Gordon led Martin by about 97 points. So in the past five races, Gordon had gained about 28 points on Martin. But really, we had seen the points race between Gordon and Martin stay pretty stable. Mark Martin lost 25 points to Dale Jarrett, and now Dale Jarrett, who was third in points, trailed Mark Martin by just 20 points. Dale Jarrett was 222 points behind Jeff Gordon after the Martinsville race, but he had gained 77 points in the last three races, and trailing Gordon by 145 points meant that Dale Jarrett was within the one-race point swing if both drivers started the race. Jeff Burton had a tough day finishing in the 38th position, and he fell 391 points behind points leader Jeff Gordon. This was going to make it very difficult for Jeff Burton to have any chance to finish third in points. Terry Labonte was sitting fifth in points, 539 points behind Jeff Gordon. Dale Earnhardt was just 11 points out of the fifth place points position. The last time Dale Earnhardt missed the top five in points was in the 1992 season when he only won one race and finished 12th in points. Bobby Labonte was sitting 7th in points, 664 points behind points leader Jeff Gordon, and he trailed Dale Earnhardt by nearly 114 points. Bill Elliott was sitting 8th in points and was very likely to finish in that position. 
Ted Musgrave was ninth in points, and he was 54 points in front of the 11th place points driver in Jeremy Mayfield. Rusty Wallace was now 10th in points, and he was just 38 points behind Ted Musgrave for ninth in points and just 16 points in front of 11th in points Jeremy Mayfield. Mayfield had gained two positions in the point standings. Ken Schrader was now 38 points out of 10th, sitting 12th in points. Ernie Irvin was 13th in points, 58 points out of the 10th points position. Johnny Benson had lost two points positions and dropped back to 14th in points, now 61 points out of 10. Ricky Rudd's did not finish had resulted in him being 15th in points, now 128 points out of 10. It was extremely unlikely that Ricky Rudd would finish in the top 10 in points. So when we look back at the big stories of the 1997 AC Delco 400 from Rockingham, number one, we didn't really see a big shape up in the shake up in the points. Gordon was continuing to maintain a fairly comfortable lead over Mark Martin or Dale Jarrett, but both were within the one race swing that if Jeff Gordon had a major problem, especially a finish outside of the top 30, they could possibly be able to gain the points lead. For Bobby Hamilton, it had been a glorious day. Much early in the season, Hamilton announced that he was not going to return to drive number 43 STP Pontiac for Petty Enterprises. Hamilton had definitely restored the glory for this team, picking up victories both in the 1996 and 1997 season. And I always felt that Bobby Hamilton was a very underrated driver. Spoiler alert, he would go on to actually win races, Winston Cup races for two other car owners. He won in 1998 at Martinsville in the spring race for Morgan McClure. And he would also pick up a victory for Andy Petrie in the number 55 square D Chevrolet for Andy Petrie racing. When he won the spring race at Talladega in 2001, it was impressive that Hamilton and his crew chief, Robbie Loomis kept their focus even after the departure of Hamilton and got him to victory lane. Next week, the NASCAR Winston cup series will turn their sights to the Phoenix International Raceway. This would be the penultimate race of the NASCAR Winston Cup season. For the Stock Car Racing Time Machine podcast, I'm your host, Tim Naiman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.